Stop it. This is Talking Audio. How's it going, everybody? A Friday afternoon edition of the podcast for you by the time you hear it. It's a Friday morning recording time for me. I guess a Friday early evening recording session for uh, for Lever Sage. What's happening today, man? Oh, I'm sorry to get you up so early again. So this, I know this one's tolerable. Like, this one's okay. <laughs> what is it? Like 11, 11 o'clock. Morning. We're doing all right. There, Still yeah, a little early right. for and a beer, but it's not 7 o'clock, so we'll give you a pass there. Well... Give me a pass after last night. You'll see some of the pictures of might have had a drink out of a tiki man cup. That, I don't know what was in it, but my God, was it good in the Algarve in Portugal? Yeah, still here and uh, always appreciate you having me on and working with the times that are necessary was at... Um, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, but uh, Benagil Cave, it's one of the um, more famous caves here in the Algarve because you can only get to it by boat. There's like a little beach in a cave Mm -hmm. that you cannot access by foot, Uh, but didn't go in the boat, but was able to sort of get to the top of the cave, the mountain, and look down. Uh, Surprisingly, very little security around this hole that if you fell down into you would die um so people are like it did you look down there he... see if you could find the send season is that where it's cut and lost or... you know sorry that's, <laughs> that if i had have said that two months ago you would have been like oh no give it time blah blah, blah. Well, we like, did give it no, time it didn't get better i know i'm telling you two months ago the season was over and the season is still over but yeah no really cool uh, i'll send you a couple of shots that kind of looking down a little bit into this cave and you can kind of see a beach and it's it one of the things Smart here for anyone that's ever yeah I, I just saw his head um, which is the least you know best part that i want to see of spartacat but wow the yeah no but think about that right like that's yeah. have you ever hey as somebody who knew um how do i put this uh knew spartacat for a very long time in the 2000s and like for more than a decade mm-hmm. uh more than once had a chance to behind the scenes not in front of anybody yeah uh maybe maybe put his head on okay maybe maybe the grossest thing i've ever done um so <laughs> you'll forgive me if uh, the rest of it no matter what it is is still better than that thing fair enough um, and for people and you should talk to there's some great stories about, from people who uh have had to don that particular <laughs> outfit not just spartacat but any mascot yeah uh, i know a few of them in the city and it is up to you to continually wash that thing <laughs> and that probably the toughest thing to do in all of the sports would be to wash a mascot's uniform yeah. for, you know and obviously it's very very hot and a lot of sweat yeah gross and that sounds it's pretty awful. much Pretty much putting on your hockey gear and playing for two hours and then letting it sit there and think, oh, I got to do this again tomorrow. And as a kid, you're like, 
seven years old and you go to a tournament, you're like, my stuff's still wet. Cool. <laughs> and then you grow up and you're like, that's actually not the coolest that's thing at all. not that cool at all. I, uh, I had a chance to play, uh, to, to put on a Santa costume once. And I think it was at Christmas 2015 where it was like 20 degrees on Christmas Eve or whatever it was. It was nice. that one really. And man, by the time I put that thing on, and the kids are sitting on you, and you're, and, oh my god, I have to get out of here! Like, I, and it, you couldn't even like crack a window and get some polar air no. coming in. It was twenty degrees out there too. It was brutal. So man. imagine doing that and dancing, yeah, and, no. and just being happy and just doing it for like three or four hours, and then thinking what you have to do to even remotely get in that suit the next yeah, day, yeah, or. Because for people who think it's only at games, I'm, oh no, it's a, all kinds of local it's events. A, it, and... It's a full time job, right? Literally, it's a full time job for because, as you said, they're at the hospital, they're at you know community events. Like there is something almost every day. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's an and I'll give you a little tidbit of one of the biggest sports reporters, maybe the biggest sports reporter in the entire city, Ian Mendez. Mm-hmm was a mascot <laughs> one day that, in his life. Is this for the baseball team there? Uh, it was yeah. for the Ottawa Lynx right. way back in the day. <laughs> um, you should ask him about it sometime. See how that goes. Um, <laughs> you know what? I went and saw him on uh, on Tuesday night. He and Brent Wallace and uh, Jason York had a fundraiser. Oh, and how was that? Like, I honestly, and I, I can't wait to hear how it was because I know that they did some stories. It was at Yuck Yucks. Yeah. But Ian is one of and brent and yorkie too they're great but in a couple of years ago decided that he's just this guy which a lot of us aren't and i wish that most of us were like this i I certainly wish i was a little bit more of like what are your biggest fears and then let's just do them let's just i don't care how it goes let's just do it and get over the fear and one of his and I think all of our biggest fears is like you get up on a stage and have to be funny. Make like, me laugh, monkey boy. Make me laugh. Right. <laughs> I am coming to a comedy club. Yeah. I expect to laugh. Right. And I expect you to be super funny. Okay, go. Right. Um, and he did it as this like op- the opening act for a major act that was in town. And – I'm telling you, I was scared sitting in the audience, like let alone thinking I would have to do that up on stage. And he just knocked it out of the park. So I uh, can't wait to hear how that event was. It went really well, man. We got there, uh, you know, a little early, get a nice seat, get a couple of pints. And so, so the, I'm more ready to laugh for him. Right. I, I texted him on Sunday cool. and said, uh, you know, looking forward to coming. Up. And it had sounded like it was more of a. A panel is overstating it, but the three guys telling stories and answering yeah, questions and stuff time. like yeah. that. Yeah. But he said in his text, he's like, well, I'm going to open things up with a, you know, I'm going to take a shot at a set. Like, I'll, I'll stand up by myself first and I come up. Exactly what you just said. Like, not in a million years am I ever doing that. Um, power to you. But uh, yeah, it, it scared the hell out of me. He was good, man. He kind of broke it down into, uh, he opened it up saying these are like five dates that were kind of crucial in my life slash career. And then he told the five different stories with jokes mixed into it. Right. And so it kept sends fans. Were they all, ab- were they all about me or just mostly about me? No, uh, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I, I, 
it was really good, man. He he went into some areas that I thought were going to be tough for him to get a laugh, but he did it. Um, yeah. And uh, and so power to him. And then, yeah, the, then Wally and, and Yorkie came out and they sat down, did a, a really nice show together. And there was one moment uh, I mentioned a little earlier in the week here on the podcast, but where Wally, he's telling a story and he kind of looks at Ian and he goes, am I giving enough? Like, do you think they're getting it? And Ian looks back at him like, I think you've said way too much right? <laughs> like, with the right. information he was giving out and stuff. So um, they did a really good job, man. It was for uh, lung cancer research, um, full house. Like they sold the thing out. And so, uh, you know, good on them that uh, tickets, someone had donated tickets for a silent auction for Leafs and Sens here next Saturday. Um, Steam Whistle had sponsored it, so you know the the beers were uh, going towards the cause. Well, they did a really nice job, man. It, it was a great event, and happy I went and checked that out. Oh, that's awesome! I, I would expect nothing less. Those three are awesome. Especially Yorkie's the perfect like. You just put him with an Ian, a Brent, um, you know, a lot of people, yeah, and he he can just get going, right? Like he, that guy. I mean, they're all one of a kind people. Those three. Um, Jason York is as one of a kind as I've ever come across and not in a bad way, (laughs) just like, uh, he's so different from anyone else I've ever met. And I think that's, I think that's awesome. Um, so I'm sure it was an absolute blast, probably not as big of a blast as I had after I woke up last, uh, Monday morning, um, thinking about (laughs) what I was going to talk about this week, what was going to happen. Um, even you, and you know what? We've had our like fun now and we've had, no, listen, we've had our fun and you know, you know how much, no, but seriously, Matt, like even you, (laughs) you got caught up in the people make this mistake and look, I made it. I did it a lot when I was younger and you know what I don't do anymore? I don't text things in the middle of sporting events when the sporting event is not over. Okay. And (laughs) I to be fair, did I not send you stuff other people were saying more than my own comments? Is that or am I misremembering? Because I sent you a couple of tweets that people were sending me about you. <laughs> right. Yeah. But in the, see, like you like to play like the legal aspect of oh, it, yeah. and like, oh well, I actually I didn't. Hundred percent. See, you know. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm just going to checking out our text history. To, yeah, okay, that's yeah, fair. No, you wrote to me, Dan Campbell was listening to you bury him. That's right, I did it, say that. <laughs> in in the middle of the game. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And I know that they're up 24-7 at halftime, and I had respected football minds text me, how do you feel about a, um, a Kansas City-Detroit Super Bowl? I'm like, it's not over. And I seriously, Matt, I'm not even kidding you. I went to sleep at halftime. I woke, I kind of woke up. You did up. respond suggesting you were surprised as well. Not admitting okay. it was over, but that, yeah, okay, like. Okay, well, hold on. No, am I wrong about that? I had a couple drinks after no, the show yesterday. Yeah, but but here's the thing, yeah. okay? When I, I woke up and I saw that it was, <laughs> it was 24-7 at halftime. Yes. And then it was 24-10 with the Niners knocking on the doorstep. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's over. I know San Francisco's winning, and I can't wait to go to sleep and wake up to this, I know what's going to happen. And the joy on my face 
when I woke up in the morning going, this is everything that I told you was going to happen. Okay, it didn't go 47-12 and Dan Campbell crying, but it was still Dan Campbell crying. It was still him going, oh my God, it's going to be twice as hard to get back. I don't know if we'll ever get back. Like, what are you talking about? You screwed this up now, for your own oh, team. Now, to be fair. I can't even remember the player's name. You'll know. But the guy who drops the two passes on fourth yeah. down. And all oh, of us, sure. if he makes those catches, and they're breadbasket passes. They're right there, right? You have to catch them. And he doesn't. And that totally, like, if he makes just those two catches, we're probably having a completely different conversation. And, and if the ball doesn't bounce off somebody's helmet to a guy deep in, in Detroit territory, right? Like, yeah. they, the 49ers were... Look, We're it's football. Fortunate. Crazy shit happens. I do get that. But Dan right. Campbell twice would have been proven right if someone would have just caught the goddamn ball right there. Right. And and yep. that changes everything. So he's on and the I hook. He went for it. I, they lost. That's on him. So. Yep. And sometimes this is the thing about being in positions of power and coaches who have to make decisions. It It gets really hard when. You have an identity for your team and you've worked really, really hard to form this identity of your team, right? Like, okay, it's fourth down. We're not going to be scared. This is us. We go for it. This isn't who we are to settle. But your job as a coach is to take all of the surrounding circumstances Mm -hmm. in the big moments And not to say exactly this is who we are, but actually what does give us the best chance, not only from like an analytical point of view, but from a morale view and for like everybody bonding together. Those kicks weren't gimmies either, right? Like, no, no. So they they weren't, but I kind of think that if you just kick the first one and you miss, then you're like, okay, well, I'm not doing that again. Right. Like, because I saw the numbers for the kicker on that one, like he, it was really sketchy, like a twenty percent chance he was going to hit it. Like, well, yeah, until every big moment ever. And yeah, no, you're player, right. It, like twenty percent of the time, I, he does hit it. So, well, twenty <laughs> percent, yeah, like maybe in playoffs, adrenaline, it's better, yeah, it's worse. Sure. I, I don't know, but I do know that if you stick to one identity. And think that that's who you are all the time. I don't care what that identity is. You have to understand the situations and play to the situations with who you are at the same time. Well, I don't know so, if you'll remember this. I, Let me ask you this because we're right here in this area. The Tampa Bay Rays 2020 World Series. Blake Snell is cruising. They go out yep. and they pull him out. Do you remember this? Of course. Yeah. So everyone talks. What are you doing? This is the World Series. Like there's no tomorrow. And I'm I'm kind of trying to get inside their heads and go, this is how we got here. We did this all year and we're in the World Series. This works for us more than it doesn't. And yet I have time for the other conversation. It's like, yeah, but you're not saving anybody for tomorrow, right? You're not like, this is get it done now. And if this guy's cruising, you do. And, and so to me, that was a fascinating debate. I had time for Tampa's stance that like, this is what we do. This is how we got here. This is how we win. And it's been good enough to get us to the World Series. So we're doing it again. And it didn't work that day. And that's sort of what right. this looks like. It reminded me of. Yeah, and that's fair. And look, I'm not I'm not crapping. I just like to watch him 
Oh yeah, we we got that. End, we got that at the end of games, <laughs> and like the the most predictable thing in all of sports is finding a way for Dan Campbell to cry at the end of football <laughs> games. But um, the, I think I sent you the one tweet from one of our listeners that was like, "I had all these snarky replies ready for Lever for tomorrow, and now I yeah, just got to put them uh, all away." <laughs> yeah, and now you do. And now whoever you are, because Matt didn't send them to me, I don't know who you are. I think you I did. do have to listen. Yeah, you do have to listen to me go on and on saying, I told you this was going to happen just because it didn't go on the like if if you're driving somewhere and you get there in the same time, I don't care what route you go. Okay, it might have been another route as opposed to the route I thought, but I got there at the same time and you didn't. Okay, because somehow you believed in the Detroit freaking Lions. Think about that. That was an uncomfortable stance. I'm I'm resting my hopes on the Detroit Lions. Right. <laughs> and it's the same. And I hate to say it about the other game. You asked me about the other game. Yeah. And I'm like, I, everything in me wants to take Baltimore. Yeah. But they throw up on themselves every time they get in a big spot. Is this the spot they can actually like take the mantle away from Kansas City and say, yeah. this is our time? We found out. Nope. <laughs> like, and I, And I can't even... Like I've learned my lesson way too much going on hope or thinking that something is going to happen without having seen it happen. And for all the people that crap on Lamar Jackson and crap on John Harbaugh, like it's a really good football coach and a really good football player and you'd love them on your team. Mm -hmm. But you continually have to – have them perform and make right decisions in big moments to believe that they can get to where they want to go. And they were playing a team that has done all of those things. And it looked like the team that said, we've been here before and you haven't. And the look in your eye says that you know that we're going to beat you. Right. And that's how that game looked the entire game long. And I, uh, it's just, I think it's frustrating because, you know, I think Baltimore doesn't get crapped on like a, maybe like a Detroit. I'm crapping on Detroit now and it's easy <laughs> to do that. But but certainly other big teams, uh, I would include the Cowboys in that. But other big teams, Buffalo, that can get to certain points that can't get over the hump. Mm-hmm. Baltimore doesn't get crapped on as much, but they deserve it because they continually, continually in the regular season tell you, that they are, this is going to be their year, and this year's different, and this is this. And Lever, this conversation's starting to cut a little close to home. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then they throw up all, on themselves. Yeah, um, they do. Kind of like the Cowboys. But uh, anyway, um, all for all of that said, it was a very interesting, but yet, I thought, predictable weekend in the nfl and i think we got ourselves a fantastic super bowl so um there's a lot to love about some of the storylines and you know i think two of the the two best teams in the nfl it's hard to argue that they're not right now yeah no this is a this is a great looking super bowl in terms of you know the 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 stature of the franchises the uh you know the the stars that are involved and i'm i'm curious are you one of these people who is enraged that Taylor Swift will be uh, will be attending the Super Bowl. Um, so <laughs> I don't. I was going back to look at the tweet. I was actually reading a lot about how CBS and um, some of the the network they're pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, no, but the network and but how they've handled it so far. 
um, to some of the criticism that they've received. And I want, look, I, I don't have it in front of me. I, I, I thought I had it here and I don't, but um, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of between 30 and 40 seconds that Taylor Swift was shown mm-hmm. on television in a three hour broadcast. Right. And the, the head producer said, you know, look, it's something that's, that's here. Yeah. I, th- I thought we acknowledged it. I didn't think we overdid it. And I think we did it tastefully and not over the top. And I totally agree with them. 40 like, seconds out of three hours and not even all of them all at the same time. It's five right. or 10 like, seconds here and there. It's how is this ruining you, your day? <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't, all of this, I don't get, I don't get why people are lashing out either for or against. Oh, oh man. This I know you're a long way from here right now. It has become a right versus left thing. This is, this is yeah. all meant to influence Biden's reelection. This is they, the crazies are out in full, man. Right. I, it yeah. is insane. What this is, is a famous person dating maybe one of the most famous people in the world right now. Yeah. And it's all coming together at one of the most watched television events there is. Yeah. But that's it. Like, I, I don't, I think it's awesome that the Super Bowl on both CBS and Nickelodeon are completely sold out. Yep. Uh, I, th- I think this. For ads. Will yeah. bring. Yeah, for ads. And I think when you look to halftime shows and bringing in the casual fan, this is this is everything you want. Do I think the referees in the Kansas City-Baltimore game give one flying you-know-what or got one oh directive God. from the NFL? Yeah, no. <laughs> Not a chance. And I can tell you that no matter if they did or they didn't, you think Lamar Jackson tried less right. or like you think they didn't try to right. cover Travis Kelsey when he caught the first touchdown pass? Like, of, of course, like none of that makes sense, right? It's just this is a bit of a byproduct. I hope it doesn't take away from the game. I think the game is an awesome, awesome story. That, But if it gets helped along from casual people – Fantastic. I think this is a really good thing. Well, I think uh, and I think Tony Romo shouldn't have to be apologizing for making a oh, it's Travis Kelsey's wife. <laughs> like, yeah, he knows they're not married. And he's got to go back and apologize to everyone like yeah, everybody's getting on, a little folks. oversensitive like, about yeah, this stuff. I think, but, I think I think yeah. But like I believe the the report was and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but that this the that Chiefs um conference championship game either set a record or came very close to setting a record for the most ever watched conference championship game. And they said, look, enormously, overwhelmingly, that's football fans. But it did help get it over the line that there are suddenly some new fans following the Chiefs because they want to see what Taylor might be wearing to the game or they're just interested in the story. So they're suddenly following Travis Kelsey. Maybe they're fans who used to watch but stopped. But now that Taylor's back in, it's kind of brought them back around. Even if that's only, you know, one or two million of the 56 million who watched the game, that's enough to put it over the top. That's extra ad revenue. That's whatever. Fred Gadelli is the guy's name who's produced a pile of Super Bowls. He's going to be the one who produces this one. He called it in a piece in The Athletic where he spoke to Richard Deitch. He called it a gift from God that the Chiefs have made it with the Taylor Swift crew. And, you know, that doesn't mean you make the whole show about her, but 
you are talking about probably the biggest, as you said, superstar, you know, celebrity in the world right now watching or attending an event that the whole world already watches. Like it's going to be a big deal. And the next, you know, the biggest story on the athletic, the morning after was actually one that was well reported on, well researched what it's going to take for Taylor Swift to get from her concert in Tokyo. Like that's fun. Why can't Exactly. Yeah, it's just fun. But this guy, 25 he's 25 hours in Vegas. Yeah. This like, guy did the research on, you know, what type of which of her two private jets she would have to use to make it and where they might be able to land because the Vegas airport is all booked up. Like, it's just fun. If you don't want to read it, if you're not interested, then don't. But why can't you just go, you know, it's kind of a cool wrinkle this year, kind of an added story and, to it. It's right. And it's not hurting anybody. And you're right. I think in every single um, major sporting event. We always talk about the people who watch, and then Eminem got a fair always... bit of FaceTime in the Lions games. Uh, no one was complaining about that. Yeah, exactly. But the the whole point. I wonder though, what is the that, difference is. But you you think about the, some of the most major, most watched sporting events of all time, and you're like, okay, remember when Tiger Woods beat the field by by fourteen? <laughs> At the U.S. Open, and you're like, you know what brought in casual fans? Tiger Woods kicking everybody's ass by 14 and people wanting to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's Tiger Woods. It was it was bigger than... He had become you know, a celebrity norm- and not just a golfer. Right, he was yeah. bigger than normal golf. Yep. And we always talk about these... And look, I'm you know how big of a wrestling guy I am, and you follow wrestling, and um, wrestling started with... Um, you know, WrestleMania one, where that's all they were trying to do was Mr. T was in the main event and Liberace. Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, Billy Martin, get like, superstars it, to legitimize us, get the people to look at them yes. and look at us through them. Because then you're going to bring in eyeballs that weren't going to watch previously. It's the same thing. Yep. And uh, you go back to the conference championship game. I would bet, that the, one of the reasons that number was so high is because you had casual people tuning in on the East Coast. It was a three o'clock start, which meant that like on the West Coast, it's noon. It's like it's a time that everyone can understand and be around the television. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not super late. And what happened in the first quarter of that game? Tell me what happened. I was Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown pass. And they showed Taylor Swift going nuts for her boyfriend right. in the first 15 minutes of the program. Well, if, if that never happens and, t- and Travis Kelsey has no catches right. and they show Taylor Swift drinking a beer a couple of times, <laughs> just sitting there talking to her friend, but not doing anything. And Kelsey's not doing anything. I'm sure some of the people tune out. Sure. But it, it caught them right away. It was the perfect storm of... Taylor Swift's going to be at this championship game and the Chiefs are back and Travis Kelsey and oh my God, he caught a touchdown pass right away and Taylor Swift is going nuts. Right. Well, guess what's on entertainment tonight, tomorrow. Yeah, but now the casual fan is sticking around to see if that happens again. But it becomes bigger than just football fans and maybe you get a couple. I got a buddy whose daughter is at best indifferent to football. If it's on and she's on the couch reading, like fine, she's sort of there, but not... But she's a massive Taylor Swift fan and was not going to miss that Chiefs game. This is a 15-year-old girl who normally wouldn't watch your game who now did. Like, 
Right. And, and so if nothing happened with Kelsey and Taylor Swift in that game, she gets bored. Maybe and she's like, and, yeah, she's yeah. bored and moves on. Yeah. But she started to watch because of the potential and the potential got fulfilled really early in yeah. that broadcast, which is just a perfect it. storm. <laughs> a pay, yeah, we do. It was a, and, and CBS is going crazy because it's everything they ever wanted. Sure. So good for them. Uh, and it takes nothing away from me who I'm indifferent to Taylor Swift. Like I, I, I don't mind some of her music. There's a lot of it. I couldn't be bothered with. I kind of liked her better when she was playing a guitar, doing the, the country thing than the new pop thing. But you know, it doesn't affect me one way or another that she is watching the same game I'm watching. Like, it's just wild to me that people are this upset. <laughs> yeah, it was a, I think it was a really good weekend for the NFL after, yeah. um, you know, you, you had some, I don't know if it was the greatest postseason so far, but man, they had a really good weekend last weekend. And it set up, you know, two weeks of going into a game where I always think I, upsets can occur all the time. And I don't care if a team is a 10-point favorite going in. You'll have the people to tell you why that team is not going to win. Sure. But legitimately, this is another game where, like, I have no idea who's going to win. Uh, and that and two I, weeks is long I, I, enough that even if you do have a strong feeling, like, reading enough other things, you can almost get talked into the, like, yeah. sitting here right now, I 100% believe it'll be the 49ers or whatever you're saying. And you start reading, wow. Maybe by the time you get there, right? Like it's just <laughs> yeah, that, that two I, weeks allows for that. Convince yourself that the 49ers are going to win and then convince yourself that you're taking Brock Purdy over Patrick. Exactly. Mahomes, right. And then you go, um, and you, then you hopefully not, come around then, and go, I don't actually know why I'm doing that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but since I saw it and I don't know, the line has moved. Um, a, a little bit in favor of San Francisco. When I saw it last, it was one and a half. It's up to two right now, right? As we as we speak. But again, folks, if you've ever watched football, because this is on a neutral field, like when there's a home team, they give the home team three points, and then they sort of work on the spread. Yeah. Um, Vegas has no idea who's going to win, and so when it's a two point spread in the Super Bowl, Vegas has no idea. You actually have no idea either, right. which is awesome. It's great, yeah. Going going into a game that's got you know storylines outside of the world of football, but then it has great storylines on the field, and it's just a fantastic way to end the NFL season. Like I I hate the 49ers, and I'm quite <laughs> I'm quite indifferent towards the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I respect them a lot, but I'm. It's not like I think they're the greatest thing ever. I have a lot of respect for them, but I don't have any like love for the Chiefs sure. it, this is going to be an awesome game awesome game uh how would you rate the Portuguese coverage of the uh, NHL all-star draft that took place on Thursday night to make big news over there or well I can tell you that um <laughs> also went to you know a place that closed down for three weeks and the and opened back up last night um at a little bar around the corner and you know sports bar and grill and you would think right like portuguese soccer or um like something else would be on it was just all nhl all-star <laughs> coverage all the of time of course it was yeah. except when somebody asked to turn the channel to pedal and then all the tvs went to pedal <laughs> the um you know the half pickleball half squash sure game 
And I was actually way more interested in doubles pedal than I was anything to do until at least Michael Bublé. Until Michael Bublé. Hey, I just saw an article though this week that there are malls across Canada and the United States that are transforming. You know, the malls are, are, are dying, right? Like people just order shit online. So there's lots of empty storefronts and there are malls that are turning their these empty storefronts into pickleball uh Areas that you can come in, play indoors, uh, rent it for an hour, or uh, have your league games in there. (laughs) I actually... uh, At the old Randy River. This year, in the uh, pickleball league that I used to be in, um, because it was a work thing, Mm -hmm. um, I'm no longer in. uh, But (laughs) at the beginning of the season... That was uncomfortable. (laughs) Not not really. All right. I'm just trying to explain that I was playing with work people. He got evicted no from his league as well. Who I know, yeah, I did. <laughs> and you know what the the funny thing was is that the the guy who should know better that runs the league yeah. and is an absolute like might be the nicest guy on the freaking planet. I wish I could say something bad about, him. <laughs> but um, I think just you know in those group emails you're trying to. The league was growing and I think it's up to 40 or 50 people and he put it out. And of course he put it out and didn't have my new email um, after that had happened and thought I had got the message. And then by the time that got sorted out, everything was sort of underway in the second half of the year. And I, I got left out. I was the last kid. I was the last kid at least thinking that I'd be picked last. And I I didn't get picked at all. You were all over Um, the York strand. The whole, the whole point of that story is that, I the, I played the first um, round robin game at center court at the Canadian Tire Center because even at the Canadian Tire Center, um, for their employees, they put up while the team was um, gone for like training camp and like there wasn't going to be ice in there for a couple weeks. Right. They would put up a a pickleball pickleball <laughs> court. I can't believe I said it. Um, because that was the name of the league, pickleball court at <laughs> center court, and they'd have one court in the middle of the CTC, and employees could go at lunch and play. Nice. And I got to play my first round robin game there. Well, it has infiltrated uh, the suburban malls at this point, so it's continues to grow. I, look, yeah, it's awesome. I don't have a whole lot to say about the draft. I already gave some comments on it on a show earlier this morning, uh, but the Michael Bublé clip has gone viral. We'll drop the audio in for people who haven't heard it. Uh, Matt, I'm in more than one hockey league. That's So, uh, in the LHL, which I'm in with you, I happen to be in fifth place. Uh, even though I had no first overall pick, first pick even, I didn't even have a first rounder, uh, and I still did what I had to do because of my genius. Second, I am first place in the FHL, other hockey, fantasy hockey league. Third, my buddy told me this is just a microdose of mushrooms and he was lying so i'll be honest i thought i was in blades of glory for most of the time that i was out there until it sort of settled down and then i realized holy shit i'm at the nhl all-star game you know it just occurs to me that all uh, through all the incredible songs and that you've done over the years and all the the hearts of women that you've won over around the world 
with all that talk about fantasy hockey, you lost them all in one sentence. <laughs> it all just evaporated. You, years of building it up, and just yeah. and it just gone. Yeah, the mushroom talk lost me all of my contracts. Well, the mushroom too. talk definitely <laughs> lost you a lot of income. Yeah. yeah. Anybody got the guts to follow up on the mushrooms? Uh, but uh, Will Arnett right beside him, hilarious because the whole clip features uh, him talking about his fantasy hockey team first. And then, uh, yeah, that he's high on mushrooms. Um, and uh, Will Arnett, to me, just uh, it was funnier the fantasy hockey reply for me. The All these women worldwide that you've made fall in love with you, you just lost every one of them with your fantasy hockey talk, man. Because we've all been that guy who's talking about his fantasy team to somebody and you can see their eyes glazing over and you're like, yep. right, no one else in the world cares about this but me. Yeah. No, for sure. Um Michael Bublé hasn't lost one female follower, just so you know. Um, it ain't happening, man. They People who like that guy yeah. love that yeah. guy, and that guy can do this a thousand times over, and his fans aren't going anywhere. Did, like, uh, did, did, did he get a finger nuts. wag from Gary last night, do you think? Uh, I think... So, uh, Gary probably wanted to do that. Yeah. But... Michael Bublé is such a huge star. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, like when they say. He doesn't care what Gary Bet. No, but it's, it's a lie when people say any publicity is good publicity. That, that's an actual lie. That, that's not true. But there's a lot of publicity that can be good and it doesn't have to be the most positive story in the world. That what I'm saying second is much different from what I said at the beginning. <laughs> and Michael and Michael Bublé doing that. That was uh, hilarious. Get, yeah. And now that's what even people are Gary talking wanted, about as if opposed Gary to Gary wanted to? Yeah. And you, and Sorry. how bad do you want to offend this guy and have him not come back to your event like he's I don't know, man. I, I look at this and now people are talking about that, and that becomes the lead story as opposed to what was kind of a dry draft. I, I, I don't think it was as terrible as a lot of people do. They sped it up from previous years. Um, but these guys are just so dry. The celebrities were fine. Justin Bieber was, I don't know, he just kind of sat there a lot of the time, too cool for school. I thought Tate McRae, who I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I had never heard of until she was announced for this thing. That's not me dumping on her. It's just not on my radar. I understand she has two number one hits, like that she's legitimately a big deal. It's just not in my world. Uh, But she was engaged. She clearly was trying to have a good time. She came off like she was really happy to be there. Will Arnett did as well. Uh, and obviously, Michael Bublé was on a whole other planet while he was doing the thing. Uh, but uh, it 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 was a, it had its cringe moments. It's the NHL; it's always going to. But it wasn't as bad, in my opinion, as as. And I would do the celebrity thing again. Like if you it doesn't have to be these same four again. But you know, we used to laugh at the the C level celebs that they would bring to the NHL awards or whatever. These yeah. are these are reasonable names. Like this was as you said, Michael Bublé, huge star worldwide. Justin Bieber, huge star worldwide. Tate McRae on the come up. Um, you know they had Tess yeah. of Virtue there doing the uh, assistant coaching at the women's game. John Quell Jones from the WNBA on the other bench. Like they got some good names into this thing, man. And no, they did it. This is this is as good of a job as they've done. Yeah, You're right. I, and I was leading the charge, making fun of the C level names. You you can't go into it with C level names, and now they have it. And right. I'm not. I'm not going to crap on like if if somebody felt comfortable enough as such a big star like Michael Bublé is like who cares about what Gary Bettman thinks right. what does Michael Bublé's PR people think 
Like he did say in his little presser there, I think I've cost myself some endorsements here. (laughs) Yeah. Like the PR people for his team care a lot more than Gary Bettman does. I can tell you that. True enough. And, and this is everything the NHL wants is to bring in a level people and you want to have the mix between, you know, a level celebrities plus people, as you said, on the kind of coming up as the next big thing. So you're making sure that you're highlighting different areas. They did a wonderful job with this. And if somebody like Michael Bublé feels comfortable enough to say that on a live mic with everyone listening, (laughs) the NHL should be like, please, all we want you to do is feel comfortable and speak what's on your mind. And if you feel comfortable with it and your PR people are going to be okay with it, guess what? We're going to be okay with it too. Yeah. And I, I think the NHL did a – I hate – don't make me like the I, I NHL. Know. I know. Okay? Dude, I, I don't want to do that. We've still but got the cringe I, part to come. The games are going to be terrible on Saturday. We know that, okay. right? The skills good, might good. be – the skills see, might be fun. We'll see. But the, No, they won't be. They're, they'll be boring. Well, they'll they've be, added the money and they've revamped the thing. Let's, let's give oh, it a chance. the money. You know what? You know what? I don't care about professional athletes. No, but they do. Having do they in this <laughs> yeah, environment? I think you can get. I think you can get their attention with a million bucks. No, unless uh, they have I, to claim it in Ontario, in which case they're going home with like four hundred and fifty. Yeah, but the only <laughs> the only people's attention you're going to get with that are the non stars at the All Star game. It's not you're not getting the it, attention. The, you know, of, the, it, you've seen the new format, right? It is only the yeah. top stars doing it this year. It's not we're not going to watch Boone but, Jenner do the fucking. But if I but chosen ahead of Nick Suzuki, by the way, awesome. Mc, what's that? He was Boone Jenner chosen ahead of Nick Suzuki on Thursday night. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're right. Like, I, I still don't believe for one second that Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl or you know, anybody that is the big, big, big stars care about the money, but you, you might can be tell right. me that you might be if, right. if, no, but if they tell me that they're lying and then they'll have to believe them, right? Because they're saying it and they're like, oh, well, the athlete said it. And of course they're going to say it because it's the right thing to say. Um, I do want to sort of jump in. I hate to cut off your all-star talk, but um, <laughs> that was the extent of it. <laughs> I, I do want to. You know, I, I think a fairly big trade that's happened while we've been talking and um, you don't trust I, me at I mean, all, eh? You don't think I got that in my notes here? No, I do. I just wanted to make sure that we got to it because um, this is a guy that I covered okay. um, as a as a junior. Can we and tell them who it is? Sean Monaghan yeah. has been traded from the Montreal Canadiens to the Winnipeg Jets for a first round pick and Insane. a conditional pick. Insane, which is. A, a conditional pick is a third in like 27 if Winnipeg wins the cup and spoiler alert, they're not. So, um, and I get Winnipeg's pick. Well, looks like it's going to be pretty late, right? Like mid to late twenties, but man, that a first round pick for that guy, you've got to be kidding me. No, I think it's what I think is. And like I said, I'm biased. So I'll come at you with a biased point of view. And I'm glad that you're coming at me with, you know, just, hey, this is what you think of the deal. Yep. Um, I don't know. In covering junior hockey for as long as I did, and I started covering junior hockey pretty much as soon as I got to Ottawa in 2000, and I probably stopped covering junior hockey at an everyday level somewhere around 2014. Like, it's covered it for a long time. 
Um, the two best players that I ever saw come along in the 67s that I got to see when I say best players, I think it's, I think it's disingenuous sometimes for people to say that, oh, um, I knew that Mark Shifley was going to be right. um, this this crazy top pick. I can tell you that when I was covering junior hockey, I loved Mark Shifley's game, and I couldn't believe that people were talking about him like in the teens and the 20s because I thought he was a top 10 pick. Right. And I'll, you can go back and listen to me to, go, like rave about the kid. But I also will tell you that I still didn't get to see Mark Shifley every day. Like I didn't get to see him practice. I didn't get to see him on the road. I didn't get to see him like yeah, he's I saw in Barry, him, right? Yeah, I, I, I saw him three times a year. Right. Like so, it's great. I probably saw him three more times than most people did, but it doesn't mean that three times is as like you can really get a handle on a player. So I, I when I talk about junior players like that, I really like to talk about the best players that I've seen because I've seen them day in day out. And like all year long on the road, like every situation possible. Two guys were the, the best two players I've ever watched play junior hockey. And both of those guys were never the fastest guy in the ice. They never were the hardest shot. They never were the most skilled but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, they were the two smartest players of where to be and when to be and always found themselves in the right spot, the right time in big moments. And that was Logan Couture and Sean Monahan. And Sean Monahan, for people who don't even know, the, guy, the kid out of Mississauga played junior hockey at 16 and 17 years old and then made the flames at 18 and never played a day in the American hockey league. Like at least coming up. It was like 15 I, I, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> okay. So his mind has always been one of the smartest hockey minds. And I know that his body gave out and the guy had hip surgery and he tried to play through torn labrums in his hip and yep. then he got his hip shaved and all this stuff and all of the, the kid all has of been these, through hell unquestionable all of these courage yeah, all of power these to things, him that he has stuck around and endured at full respect for that he is not only stuck around and endured he's committed on the other side to be a damn good hockey player which i never would have thought possible but one of the most determined and one of the smartest players that i've ever seen i'm really really happy for him because montreal sucks and for him to think that he could get back to a spot in that environment that people could think that he's good again, he has come back from the bottom, and now he is back to, I would say, a pretty good level, which for most people in life, they would never, from what he has been through, never get back there. And he got back there. And the reason I say that a first-round pick is worth it, a late first-round pick, is not necessarily because of what that kid is going to do on the ice, but his everyday demeanor and what he means to a team cannot be underestimated from the junior level to the Calgary Flames to everywhere he's ever been. That guy, because of his work ethic, makes people around him better. Go talk to anybody that he has ever played with and they will tell you that they were better 
because he's silent. He doesn't say a lot. He's very quiet. And nobody has the you work just said ethic three that things that, that mean does. the same thing. Yeah, that's why I'm. It's a long podcast, dude, and I try, I try to got to try and let you talk less. It's the way I. Well, it's the fair. way I got to do things okay. around here. So anyway, where would he, you slot him in in Winnipeg? Third line center. He's obviously behind right. Shifley. Yeah, but uh, I don't know what that means anymore. <laughs> I, I hate to yes, say you it. Do. Did, did you just no, give up a first round pick for a third line center? Is what I'm asking. You. No, I, I I don't know what a third line guy means. Um, is a third line guy the guy that takes care of other teams' best centers and plays on the well? That's the not going to be Sean kill and takes no, but and takes draws and like what does a third line center do? Because in the playoffs, third line centers play more than second line centers. I'll tell you that. Well, it depends so on tell your me, team. But when you tell me what tell me what a sec, a third line center means to you, I really I, don't. I know, I, I, t- I come from an old school like you, where typically traditionally your third line center was. Igor Korolev, Shane Corson, and Darcy Tucker. Shut down, nasty, kind of dirty. Now, the league has gone in a different direction, and a lot of teams now run a more skilled third line and count on their fourth line a little more if they have the right guys to check a bit. And when I look at Sean Monaghan playing in Montreal, Mm -hmm. that was a team going nowhere, and they were allowed to use him in kind of more of a second-line center as a guy who can be, after everything he's been through, kind of still a mediocre setup guy, right? Well, I'm not sure if you're Winnipeg, you want Sean Monahan at second line center going up against uh, Dreisaitl or, you know, now it's going to be Lindholm and Pedersen or, you know, some of the guys you're going to have to beat to get out of that Western Conference. And I don't think he's your traditional third line checking guy. Like we know that looking at his numbers and his analytics, he's sort of an okay scorer, uh, or, or setup guy, he can't check. He can't be your defensive. So I'm not sure what you just spent a first round pick on this guy to be, because you also, you certainly don't want him to be on your fourth line. Like that's not going to be enough minutes. So I just don't really get the fit. And that's sort of always the way I looked at this player. And I, I said to a few different people, there's no way Montreal is getting a first round pick for that guy. Someone might come and get him and use him for some depth scoring or something like that. But first-round picks suggest you have high hopes for what this guy's going to contribute, and I just don't see it. And that's not a shot at him, man. That's not to say he hasn't endured, that he hasn't been through hell. Good for him for every... But I just... I'm not sure where he fits on a roster that wants to take a long run um, like the Jets are hoping to do. Yeah, I, I guess what I would say to you, and I actually think a lot of what you said is is true, to say the guy can't check because he wasn't necessarily in a checking role in Montreal and all of the stuff. When you are as smart of a player as he is, you can do a lot of things. I am not going to say that that guy can't check other people. Now, does he have the speed to, that's the thing. Can uh, yeah, look at those, so look I, at those top centers that he's going to be asked to check. Can I he get, keep up I with any it. of them? And, yeah, but you know what, Matt? probably looking at Winnipeg Some, in the first or, Colorado in the first you, round. That's the, the reason why people, even in junior hockey, said that he'll never be a top ten NHL pick is because he's not fast enough. He's not this. He's not that. When you are smarter than most people on the ice, and you know what you have to do to be where you need to be at that time, you don't have to be the fastest guy in the world. And I get that he's probably with the hip surgery and stuff. He's even slower. Yeah. But that would make him even more determined to understand 
to me, how people evolve in sports is when you start to decline, whether that through age or injury or something, what it, whatever it is that you used to be, but you can't be anymore. The people that are able to identify, I can't do this, so I need to do something else. And I have to work on this so I can do this something else to still be productive. For him to get back from this to be that guy means to me that he can. And I also think, what is one of the big, I know Winnipeg's having a really good year, okay? Yeah. What's been their reputation over the last four or five years? Yeah, it hasn't been great in the playoffs. If they no, get but there. even but even like the room, the, the oh yeah, no you toxic. Had, you had you had Dave Lowry and like other coaches come in and say, "I can't fix this." Yeah, Paul, Paul Maurice, Maurice literally just walked fix. out. <laughs> Paul Maurice, I can't fix this. Dave Lowry, can't, I, I can't fix this. Yeah, like so. It seems like a lot have, of it went away when Blake Wheeler did. Funny that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But when you have and you have to get rid of people, and but what I'm saying is, when you get rid of people, you have to add people that are even better. And I know that doesn't always mean production on the ice, but what I'm saying is that if you think that somebody has the ability first on the ice to help you, and then you think we're actually as a, as a unit, as a group, we're going to be better with this person. Sometimes I don't think a late first round pick, which, you know, some, some are misses and some are hits, but they're, it's, when you get into the 20s and the 30s... No, you're right. Not all first-round picks are created equal. and No. When people say first-round pick, there's a big difference sure between number four and number 29. Sure I can tell is. you that. And so, so I, I look at like a like an Edmonton, where they're kind of set up the middle, and he could have been like a complimentary winger with like Nugent Hopkins, or, or in some games, and it'll sound... Uh, like I'm demeaning him it's not meant to in some games for depth you put him at 4c right and but he can kind of slide up and down and you have those other big horses already in the middle that can kind of yeah you know, rush the puck do the checking he's these great, sorts of things he's a great compliment that's player. all I'm saying so, and I'm not sure I, I don't know that I like the fit in Winnipeg and now they've traded their first which is your opportunity cost what else you don't have that first to go get something that maybe you needed a little bit more. And and I'm sure Winnipeg looked around if they thought there was a better center out there. Maybe they were in on Lindholm, right? Who just went to Vancouver. Uh, I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me in a first round pick for what Winnipeg needed seems a little stiff. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah and I think that's fair. And I just say for me, I'm never going to doubt Sean Monaghan. Yeah. Never. And so I think he's going to go in and make that team better. And I think that team has shown that they're really good this year. But they've also had some, as you said, Blake Wheeler leaves. They get a whole lot kind of more unified. Yeah. But th- but Sean Monaghan will make them more unified because every young player, every young player on that team will look at that guy and go, holy bleep. Yeah. Like that guy has been through it and he is outperforming me in practice and he's at the rink earlier than I am. And on face-offs, I didn't realize that he would do that. Like – he is one of the smartest players I've ever seen. And I don't think that you can go wrong. If you didn't think that you could upgrade skill so significantly, I I think once you get past kind of picks 14 and 15 in the first round, it's a crapshoot. If you think you can get better in and out of the room and, and on the ice, I just, I, I love the kid. I think he's great. And I think he's really going to help a team that could use a little bit of help. And he was 
not wasting away in Montreal, but as you said, they were going nowhere. Yeah. And I think he could really help a team that had visions on going somewhere. So I'm happy for him that he gets the opportunity. And I, I, I kind of hope that the Jets figure this out and are able to get rid of the kind of toxic environment that they've had because the people in the Winnipeg deserve that. And I can't believe I'm loving somebody else too, but uh, the <laughs> people that, that like the Jets fans have been, you know, through so much and I, I hope they get a chance to, to go far this year. I think Sean, Monahan, Sean Monahan can help them. Well, I can tell you who's definitely going to help his new team, and that is uh, Corbin Burns, who was traded on Thursday night right there into the AL East. Uh, he'll become the new ace of the Baltimore Orioles, who won 100 games last year. Uh, we were all sort of, I guess, hoping the Orioles, and I know I believe this, they were going to be good. They were, they'd arrived early. I'm not sure last year they were meant to be 101 wins good, but they got them, so here we are. Uh, and now, any hopes that I had that they might be taking a bit of a step back have uh, have taken a bit of a slap in the face. Um, look, the 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 Brewers. It's been a weird off season for them. I'm not sure whether they'll end up unloading Willie Adamas. They just re-signed Reese Hoskins, so that it's odd to think in one sense you're bringing guys back, and in another you're unloading them. But obviously, they believe they weren't going to be able to re-sign uh, Corbin Burns. But I'm curious when you frame this up. Uh, you know, what the Yankees have done this offseason and bringing in Soto and bringing in Stroman. Uh, you're going to have Rodon healthy again. You see the Orioles beefing up, uh, now bringing in Corbin Burns. Their rotation was probably the thing you look at and go, not good enough. Like, that's probably their weak spot. They just shored that up. The Rays, I don't know what the Rays are going to do, but I'm quite certain by the end of the year they'll have 97 wins and <laughs> yeah. I'll be furious Some, about it. Somehow, some way. Yeah. Right. Uh, we brought back Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh, and this week brought in Justin Turner. I, I understand it's not necessarily a finished painting yet, but I'm getting pretty uncomfortable sitting here in my, uh, in my Blue Jays hat today, man. I know, but again, uh, as the guy that you bring on to bring you a little bit of, uh, understanding and some peace and tranquility and perspective. Yeah. You bring me on to give a little perspective sometimes okay. when you get yourself out of line. <laughs> and I don't know why you're laughing. Did you hear my football <laughs> takes last week? Um, pretty, pretty yeah. insightful. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. So I, I think you're being a little bit you're bedazzled still... by bedazzled. The... I love being bedazzled. Yeah, it doesn't everyone. Yeah. But look, does it scare me because Baltimore is better? A million percent it yeah, does. Yeah. And I always think the Yankees are going I, – I don't love their moves actually, um, but they're always going to do something to try to improve. And the Rays, I just never explain why they're good and they always are better than yep. you know what, what you think they're going to be. Um, I do think, maybe optimistically, that – the Blue Jays have brought in previously a couple of guys in the rotation over the last few years that I thought were going to like literally make this team a different team. And because their rotation looks so good and that was the strength. Mm -hmm. And look, those pitchers have been good, Yep. but, but they didn't do what I thought they were going to do. And the missing pieces were still the missing pieces of a young core that 
can't seem to find a way to take that next step. That's not on um, the pitching staff, though. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. And I don't mean just the pitching staff. I'm saying that when you bring in great pitchers, they can only do so much, even when they're great. Yeah. And and the people that the the Jays have brought in that I thought were going to be great were good and were pretty good, but they weren't who, like. Oh who my. are you talking about? Because Gosman's had a couple of Cy Young caliber years. Bassett was everything last year that you could possibly ask him to be. He's traditionally been in number three. Barrios had a down year. What it was a two years ago, I know, and bounced back last year. It was pretty good. Manoa's the guy yeah. who fell off a cliff and. Yeah, but Manoa, they didn't bring him in. So no, you're let's right, talk but... about let's talk about Burrios and Gosman. Okay. Yeah. So Burrios, I thought they were going to be like this next level team. You're right. He's not. He had a down year, and he picked it up, and he wasn't bad. And uh, again, he was nothing... pretty good last year, man. He was yeah, but good. I don't want I don't want pretty good on a team that's trying to take the next level because what I want is when that guy goes to the mound, I want to know that the other team has the second best pitcher. Well, then on I the think mound. your expectations it, it, might be out of whack for this guy. He's always sort of been a, at best kind of an okay number one, but a really good number two. And but I didn't feel like that when Gosman took the mound either. You can tell me about his numbers and Cy Young this and Cy Young that. When he went on the mound. Yeah, he's been throwing ace I've, shit. I, I don't What's that? He's been throwing ace shit. I, I don't know what you're looking for. So when, him. He, so, so when he went to the mound, you felt guaranteed win night? Oh, nothing's guaranteed win night, but he was as close as... No, but that's as, how yeah, you felt. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I didn't necessarily feel that way. Um, my point is, when people bring in pitchers like Baltimore has, I get scared initially because I know how good the guy is. Yeah. There's a, another also, Cy Young. 2021 Cy Young winner, Corbin Burns. Right. I know how good he is. Yeah. I, I get scared because the other team is better. Yeah. I'm not sure... So the Jays, you talk about Kiermaier and now he's back and he's kind of been through it and un- understands a little bit more. I actually like the Turner. Like, uh, I know it's It might not, be fine. It might be fine. Yeah, but it might be fine. We all know how fine fine works out. Um, I actually like it a little bit more than that because that's what I think they need right now. Um, I think they have enough talent and they're not living up to the talent. So I, I like the Turner one better than it's just fine. But I understand because the Jays have not brought in the highly skilled, whether it's pitcher or, you know, somebody else. Yeah, the they're relying or, on, yeah. yeah, they're relying on the skill that they already have. And they're, they're trying to complement it. Yep. And the names aren't as big. And I, I hope it's not a finished painting, as you say. Uh, if Baltimore, with Burns or not, the fact that they won 100 games, they're not winning 110 games now because Burns is on the team because they were going to have a fall off. Yeah, and right I about think, that. I think Burns coming in maybe just softens the fall. Yeah, like for Baltimore, they're like, even if we fall five games, yeah. we're still going to be around. We're still going to make the playoffs. We're still going to give ourselves a chance to put that guy in a big moment in a playoff game. Um, and I think if they didn't do that, the scary thing for them would be what happens if we fall off 15 games? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, because... Yeah, I think they, now we, as you said, they just stopped that. They just limited the chances of that happening now, right? Like Right, that, and, and, and which actually makes me feel better about 
him going there as opposed to a team where I'm like, this team's ready to win the World Series. And now they've just added this guy and he's on the Yankees and he's in the middle of our way to get to where we want to be or he's on Tampa or well I'll like tell you what directly- scares you more about Baltimore is they didn't give up any of their top five prospects to go get this guy and they have the deepest yeah. uh, system in baseball they could turn around tomorrow and go get Dylan Cease if they feel like it like, I know well, well then ask me about it then and yeah. then I'll be more scared yeah. um, but but you're right it scares me but I don't want to take my eye off of what I think the Jays need and I think the Jays need someone else to come in but i actually don't mind the i'll call it two-thirds of the painting that's done but it's not finished and you know it's not finished when you look at it you know it's not finished but it looks like it's on the way to what they need yeah or maybe that's me being too optimistic i'm not sure well it might be and like as we sit here right now you don't have a third baseman um justin turner's not going to be that if you're going with Kiner Falefa, that's scary as shit. But if you kind of look at the lineup right now, Springer, he was healthier last year than he's been in a long time, but clearly a little bit on the decline. We'll see how much. We'll see if he bounces back a little bit. Bo, I'm not worried about Bo. He's going to do what he does. Vladdy is going to give you good stuff at his basement. How good is what you're waiting to see? So there's a question mark there. Justin Turner's batting fourth. And man, now it gets a little... Is Varsho five, Kirk six, yeah. Kiermeyer seven, Davis Schneider yeah. eight? Like, this is not a good lineup. No, I, you're right. IFK nine, like, I, man. But but I I actually think Kirk is a great hitter. I, he just needs to be surrounded by other people that can they do the job for him. Like, I, I actually have a lot of confidence in that guy at the plate in a big moment. Um just another smart player. But when you, as you said, okay, Turner's four, if Kirk's five. Varsho uh, six. Like, yeah, I'm getting really <laughs> thin really quick here. David um, Schneider or Espinal or. Okay, it. so let's, let, let's just talk about this then. Who is it that could come in and be, like to me, the perfect guy would be somebody to – no, like number one would be in the five hole. Like yeah. if you could put like a very established guy in the five hole and then all of a sudden. Can I interest you in a Matt start- Chapman? Yep. Absolutely. It seems yeah. like that ship has probably sailed. But most of the insiders seem to be saying it's down to the Cubs and the Giants. I don't know oh. if that's true or not, but I would be seriously interested in in having a conversation with him to see if you're. You know, any interest in coming back? I was interested in Jorge Polanco before the Twins traded him to Seattle. I know a lot of people raise a bit of an eyebrow at that, but I thought you could get him cheap, which the Mariners did. Um, useful at second base. Like, you could you could use that guy in a few different spots. I, I, I would be pushing hard to see what it might take. And they're already basically at the, the second threshold there for the payroll. So I don't know how much more we can expect, but Chapman right, right now backed into a bit of a spot here. I would be I'd be calling Chapman again. Yeah, and again, I it's not exciting, naively. but it's <laughs> no, but it's you. You don't need exciting. You need established consistency. I, I look at it. You want to raise the floor, the right? You're going to have to count on Vladdy to raise the ceiling on this team. I need to 100%. raise the floor right now and make sure not we're not going to fall off. You're not winning 
by bringing in the next Matt Chapman, or you're winning because Vladdy yes. and Bo yep. and those guys exceed, and Bo's amazing already, but they exceed what you think of them right now, and they shatter that ceiling. Right. That's how the Blue Jays are going to win. And as you said, if you raise the floor enough where they have multiple opportunities to do that, yeah. that's probably the best thing you can do. And I'm sure your um, pitching I, staff I that was fantastic last year wouldn't mind seeing Chappie back at at the hot corner, right? Like there are reasons. Right. He's a good defensive yeah. player. Yes. Varsho but- and Kiermaier being in your outfield also had a huge amount to do with your pitching staff being so good last year. So you need to make sure this, these things aren't falling off while you're trying to plug other, they need, they, they're going to have to hit better. There's no way around that, but you can't have the other parts of your game falling apart to do it. It's. So I know we're talking about this right now, but I hope that you go back to, you know, how they addressed the end of the year and almost the, I remember thinking at the time, okay, this, the way that you just screwed this up and the way that you presented it to the public right afterwards, you're out of shots. And I'm, you have one last shot with me to, to make this right. And see, I said this back in the fall and you were all over me saying I was blaming the wrong people. So this is a bit of a come Welcome, welcome to the right side of this discussion. You, there. Listen, listen, you have, in the last little bit, sort of convinced me of the path that this is going to need to take to oh, get that, to where it wants this, to be. This and so, really good. I like this yeah, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, listen, and I was going to do this at the beginning, but instead of you know that, I thought it's better to tell people how right I was and bury <laughs> yeah, this course. at the end of the... <laughs> And that's, that's a smart broadcaster. Open. This guy's been doing right. this for a while. Like <laughs> I was going to do this at the beginning. I'm like, I'm not doing this at the beginning. No, no. let's, let's um, wait and see if some people it, fall off. T- say this to a smaller you, audience. Since you, <laughs> since you told me about like, okay, we're going to talk about this. I was always going to say this and I was, I knew we weren't going to start with this, but I hope that we got to it at the very end. And yeah. now we have yeah. where I get to say that, you know what, this the plan or the, the thought process, I think, that you have had through this for it to be where it needs to be in the future, I think is right. Um, I, I feel like it's okay to be emotional at the end of a year where it's like, okay, you've just screwed me over and I really don't know how to feel. Right. Um, that's what they did to me. Yeah. Um, and it's taken me a while to, to kind of understand that I'm going to give them Okay, you get another shot, but this is your last shot. So I don't expect that you're done. And I don't care if you don't do anything else. If you go into opening day like this, you're telling me as a fan, this is the shot that you have that you're either going to succeed or you're going to be gone because you've lost me after that if you don't. I'm going to ride or die with David Schneider. You know, it just it doesn't feel right. I don't, <laughs> the guy, the, I like the kid, yeah, but, or kid. Like he's like twenty eight years old or something. I know. I like. Well, he's still a kid to me, but yeah. like I like the man. Right. But I don't want to ride or die with that guy. So bring in somebody else that I can ride or die with. Right. I'll ride or die with Bo all sure all day every day. Yeah. Um, and Springer too. Like I, 
I, maybe I want to believe in the guy more than I should, but, um, but I do. And so anyway, but not I think, you Spencer Horowitz. We're not there yet. <laughs> we weren't ever there to begin with. So I, I think to conclude, yes, Matt, yeah. I agree with you yes. that you have looked at this, I think properly, but I'm still going to hold them accountable, which I was always going to. I'm just wasn't as convinced that I was going to at that particular time right afterwards. Mm -hmm. But now it's okay. You know what? Smart baseball people bringing in some things. You're not done yet. It's not opening day yet, but you got, this is your last shot with me and I'll believe in you until you screw it up one more time. As As Gordon Downey once said, I'll believe in you. Or I'll be leaving you. That's about where we're at with uh, with Atkins and Shapiro. Um, last thing I had here on the list. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this or not, but uh, Mendez had in the Athletic on Thursday yeah. uh, an interview with Mark Sutcliffe, the mayor. This pertains to the idea of a new arena. They've gotten an extension from the NCC to negotiate because this process hasn't taken long enough, uh, and so they've got to the fall of 2024 to come to a deal with the NCC. And at the same time, Mark Sutcliffe, the mayor, is still saying, I'd like you to look a little more downtown. We've got some options here. We should explore everything. But it seemed like everything he was throwing out was like, at best, 15 years away. Like the the, the one spot we keep hearing about is the Department of National Defense buildings. They're there till 2035. So at the earliest, that's when you would start building. I guess I get the fact that Before you put a shovel in the ground, examine everything, exhaust every opportunity, make sure you've considered all options. But we've been looking at this since what, 2018, 2017, when this process started rolling out and and they first started talking about LeBreton. It feels like you've probably had now different ownership group. I get it. But it sort of feels like almost everyone agrees. LeBreton is the spot except for the mayor. And this piece felt a little to me like him throwing a bunch of shit at the wall, but with no like, well, we don't really have any answers. Like we don't really have any suggestions. We just we want you to look more. And that's sort of how that came off to me. Okay. Man. So I really don't have, I'm glad you have kind of laid that out. I'm so sick of this topic. I don't actually have a, <laughs> a lot of thoughts on it, um, except for this. Every article written or talks that you hear about this are planned talks and they're all about some sort of negotiation that you and I and most people don't have the privilege of knowing all of the information about. Right. And when I and when I read articles like this and you know how much like Ian's a great reporter and I have a very mm-hmm. I've known Mark Sutcliffe the mayor for a very long time um when you're dealing with the NCC, and this is just my opinion of being around in Ottawa for, you know, up 24 years now, um, the NCC is not the easiest group to deal with. Sure. And you, and you always, and I'm not saying they're bad people. I think they're looking out for interests and, but they're just, it's not an easy thing to go and, and knock a deal down with the NCC, no matter what you're talking about. Not, I don't care that you're talking about an arena or anything else. It's just a very arduous, tough process when they dig their heels in. 
And I think, I think you, tr- you need to try as much as you possibly can to have as much negotiation power as you possibly can. Right. When we could you go, go into to this, if you right, don't when give you us go what into we want. T- Exactly. When you go into talks with them, you need to have something or two or three or four things to say to them, look, we really want to do this, but this is a possibility and we cannot go here if that is the end result. Everybody wants it to be what you talked about. And everybody knows that eventually I'm still betting on the 99% that it's going to be there. But if you give the NCC 100% power and you have no ability to negotiate with them because you have no chance of going somewhere else, you are screwed. And so when I read this, again, I don't know much behind the scenes. I just know that every time I read anything about this situation when it comes to something dealing with the NCC, it's like, okay – there has to be other yeah, this is out outlets. here for a reason. There has to be other outlets that you can go to and this information is coming out because they want people to know and they want the NCC to know that yes, you hold the cards, you just don't hold every single card. Right. And we we don't want this and most of the public doesn't want this and we all know where we want to be. But if you're going to stick your foot in the ground, we have to have an out clause. We have to be able to go somewhere else. And that to me is what this all comes down to is I I don't think they're going to any of those places. And I don't think it's going to be 2035 before they do, (laughs) because this team might be dead in the water, but you have to have something else to present when the NCC comes back and tells you no, or we want whatever in the deal. That's just not reasonable. You have to be able to say, okay, well, we did our absolute best and we're going to actually we're going go to train somewhere yards else or we're going and to it's going to really suck for the fans. Yeah. It's going to suck for the fans and it's going to be another seven years and blah, 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 blah. But we have to do this because it's, we, you're not working with us. That's how deals are done. And we know that that's how major, major land deals are done. And if you're the Sens, you know, like, they have kept this door open for you for a long time. They have reopened it for you. Like, they want it too. So you do have some leverage. Um, they have made it clear that they're willing to do this. Obviously, they're going to keep flexing. They're going to try and get as much as they can out of it. So, But I think your point is well made, that you have to keep some doors open. And obviously, this is the mayor doing somebody a favor by sitting down and floating some yep. possibilities and keeping that fresh in everybody's mind. If uh, you're the mayor too, you have to... Make sure that you are not just aligned with the NCC, but you're looking after everybody's interests, not just certain interests. So I understand why Mark Sutcliffe is doing this. I really do. Um, That's I, funny, though. He's also suggesting other federal buildings that the city doesn't own. So he's just yeah. sort of he's throwing some things at the wall. And well, but that, yeah, that's OK. Uh, you know what? That's OK. Um, I think it's all done for the, because everybody wants it in the same place. And I think everybody wants it there. It's just a matter of making sure this is just such a tough deal to get done. And it sucks for fans who have heard about it, but guess what? It sucks in 2024 that the Sens are at the bottom of the standings and they haven't played a playoff game since 17. Um, That sucks too. When you tell people it's just starting to get better and it probably 
now it's at the like we've talked about over and over. It's the we're at the very bottom and we're starting now. Yeah, and it's fresh. That sucks to say to people seven years later. But well, uh, hey. I think what are they five two and two six two and two in their last ten, yeah. and they've moved up one point in the or caught up by one point in the well, standings. One, like it yeah. stinks. It's so no, hard in this league to make you, up ground. You can't, you can't. You can't do it. No. Nope. Uh, just another thing. That you know, we'll continue to talk about, but for sure, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here, and we'll we'll see what's happening next week. You're going to be on the move again, so uh, we won't commit to anything, but we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. But uh, yeah, we'll get something done um, later in the week, next week for sure. I'll still be in Portugal, a different location in Portugal, but yeah. uh, I'll still be in Portugal. And uh, lots, I've sent you some some pictures to give you. A, a little bit more of some of the uh, local beer flavor right? Uh, that is happening here. And I probably will regret sending you the picture of the thing I took a drink out of last night. <laughs> and not only did I take a drink out of, but I really enjoyed um, <laughs> most, most people who know me will be like, yep. Yeah. That's, that's who he is. But if you don't know me, <laughs> that's then take a look at this picture and then you'll see what kind of, drinks i like we will throw those up on our instagram at tall can audio or uh, or on twitter so make sure you're following us there uh hope you all have a great weekend for lever sage my name is matt robinson we'll see you monday we've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun but now the time has come to go if this still come was found dead in his bed tomorrow i'd be in heaven still doing this show See you some other time! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>